back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 305. We're with Jack Tompkins today. Jack is a data wizard. He uh, says that any kind of data that you have, he can probably tell you, show you a way to analyze it and make more profitable and uh, uh, certainly better educated decisions. Is that an okay introduction to what you do, Jack? Absolutely. Yep. Kind of data um, see at the table. Excellent. So with well, well, why don't you go ahead and do your own little introduction? That was my magic spin as a storyteller. You, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience? Sure. Um, so thanks so much for having me. For starters, um, very much looking forward to this. Uh, I am Jack Tompkins, as you mentioned. Uh, my company is called Pineapple Consulting Firm, and our our whole deal here is just trying to help small businesses become data driven. So a lot of that times it's me coming on as a fractional analyst or an outsource analyst um, and also just making some dashboards. So looking at some boring data that's just black and white on a piece of paper, nowhere as exciting as looking at a dashboard and your brand colors with some charts, graphs, and indicators and stuff like that. So I love helping folks be data-driven. And um, like you said, obviously that applies to all industries, but especially the real estate industry. Exactly. Um, okay, and I have something to, to tag on to there because you just probably used a whole bunch of words that our audience may not understand. But before I do that, uh, or let me rephrase, it's not that they don't understand, it's that they may not understand exactly how they apply here. Um, go ahead, uh, John, and introduce yourself to the audience, if you would. Oh, hi there, folks. I'm the co-host with Robert. Um, I run Mel Wright. Um, we make websites for real estate agents and much more, but we make websites that you own, that you own. You're not leasing, and you know that owning is better than leasing. If that sounds interesting, go over to MailRiot, have a look what we've got to offer, book a, a demo and a chat with me, and we'll see if we can help you. Back over to you, Robert. So... To everybody that's listening, essentially Jack is a guest that we've invited on so that he can help us share with us his view of the power of data when making decisions. Now, one of those ways that his website advertises that he does this is taking your data, throwing it into something like uh, Quick uh, or, I'm sorry, Excel. I'm used to, I'm a Google Notes guy now, so I'm, I'm used to something else. I'm used to another product, but a lot, many, many, many people still actually use Excel. And um, what they're doing is they're, is, is he's taking data and he's analyzing it and helping you make better decisions. Now, the case study that I think that we have and that, that we've agreed to talk about on the show is a commercial real estate deal that Jack was involved in. And, and I'm, if, I, if I get any of this wrong, Jack, just say, hey, you didn't get that right. Okay? Like, just sure. say, I got it wrong. So we're going to look at that. How did you analyze? Because I would like the audience to understand what would analyzing data do for them as it pertains to buying or selling either residential or commercial property. So what did you do with this client that you had that that was commercial? So it was a fund, more or less, that was looking to buy different commercial properties and um, looking for a specific type of um, oh, business to rent it. I won't get into specifics. But so they're trying to figure out, okay, um, uh, let's just call it like a, I don't know, let's call it a doctor's office because that's easy, understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they were looking for, all right, so where should we place these doctor's offices? What makes sense from a building perspective? What makes sense from a location perspective? Um, is the population growing? Is it shrinking? Is it near a, a highly trafficked intersection? All that fun stuff. So I was going to go kind of drive the roads and get a decent feel of it, but the data is really where the story's at. So we took a whole bunch of different data, um, kind of gathered it all together and said, here's some optimal locations. Here's a great spot to um, invest in. Here's a not great spot to invest in and kind of picked out the best areas and then looked for opportunities in there. Okay. I kind of feel like you might be oversimplifying. So talk to me a minute for about like you said, uh, I think you said traffic. Is, is, is that right? Yes. Did you yep. say you analyze traffic patterns? Okay, so that's an interesting field of data uh, analysis that I understand is happening for real estate right now. As part of those traffic pattern analysis that you did, did you do anything related to uh, the type of business, the employees that they're looking for, and its proximity to public transportation? Yes, yeah. So there was definitely, it was not just, um, you know, like this is a very hot intersection, if you will. It is also what's near there. So is there public transportation? Is the business that we're doing for, is that something that public transportation should be around or should not be around? Um, other things like that, restaurants in the area, um, other businesses in the area, how developed it is, um, traffic, both. We got a little bit of like foot traffic, but nothing really substantial. So most of it was just kind of who's on the roads and how many people are on the roads. And is this something that people would walk by and and stop at. So they, I know that's still overall, but did, did they contact you before or after they had a property that they were looking at? So they had a few going before they contacted me, but their goal was um around 10 or a dozen or so. And so they had a few in the hopper and then contacted me and said, all right, great, where else should we go? Okay. Oh, I think I think this is really fascinating, and re one of the reasons why I asked Jack to come on is that one of the one of the strength areas of like company like Redfin or Zillow, and they've got weaknesses. Their weaknesses is when a company gets to a certain size, it becomes very bureaucratic. It goes with the territory, and people, unless you work for a large company, you don't you don't realize how much slowness and endless meetings and endless bullshit is involved in a company that gets to a certain size. And that's why small companies can really outperform much larger companies with much larger budgets. But one area where Redfin and Zillow and some of these other wholesaler kind of quasar real estate companies, whatever they are planning to become, um, is they've got access to data and a lot of data and they know how to use data to benefit themselves. And I think it's an area which a lot of real estate agents, those that are in small power teams, boutique brokerages, they tend to us underestimate the power of data. That's that's my little commentary on that, Robert. What do you think? <laughs> um, I mean, I 
if Tony, I mean, John, come on, you know, you just taught, handed me a hot potato. I could, I could take, I could take a full year of every single show that we do and do nothing but talk about data and feel like I still hadn't covered everything. Seriously. I could, we could have 10 shows on just me looking at the various types of traffic, how long people stay on each social platform, how they're engaging, what kind of content they're engaging with. And, and I would still probably have something left to say at the end of our, our show series. But um, let's, uh, let's go back over to Jack. Jack, I have a question for you. Um, so Jack, I'm a real estate agent uh, and full transparency for our audience. And if you, and I'm going to ask if, if you think you can answer this question, that'll be the first thing that I do. So I'm going to ask you if you think you can give some good advice in terms of what kind of data you'd analyze when somebody was buying or selling a home. Now, if you feel like that you're not, you know, you don't, because you haven't done a ton of that kind of data analysis. Is, is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Okay. But do you think that you could advise somebody with a, with a degree of expertise on that subject? Yeah. So the, the beautiful thing about um, analytics to an extent is if you have somebody like me who's an absolute nerd and will live in Excel all day or Google Sheets or whatever, um, and you have somebody who knows the industry, it works out really well. So I've had conversations, again, haven't really done the work, but had conversations around different growing areas, kind of like on the commercial side that we were just talking about, the commercial example we were just talking about, um, hot areas of town, whether it's zip code, streets, or anything like that, um, is the population growing, things like that, or businesses forming there as well. So there, there is a whole lot of data that goes into it. And like I said, I'm, I'm no real estate expert by any means, but with somebody has the idea, um, I'm sure that we could find the data and I could definitely make sense out of it. Awesome. So, so I'm going to interpret what you said. Okay. Let's say that I'm a real estate investor. All right. Because I don't know that I feel like the average consumer-based real estate agent would, would be able to conceptualize how they use that. I do, however, really easily think that a real estate investor, of which there are a few that listen to our show, uh, would be able to understand what the value would be of you being able to say, look at uh, Los Angeles, right? And look at the, let's say that we're looking at a radius of 80 miles circle around LA proper. That's downtown Los Angeles as the center of that research. And let's just say that we wanted to say, I want to find the best medium price with the fastest growing population with the least amount of people moving out of the neighborhood with decent, um, with decent business growth, excellent amenities and a low crime rate. Would you be able to do that analysis? Absolutely. Yep. Okay. So that's how somebody would, in my opinion, leverage a data analysis skill set, right? Let's just say I don't want to do that myself. I can, maybe let's just pretend that I could do that myself. But would you, as part of your analysis for somebody, would you put everything into a spreadsheet so that they could see what the data points were that you looked at in the, in the first place? Yeah, so now we're getting to my sweet spot and I appreciate you framing it this way. Um, mm -hmm. Once the data is all in there, I love making it pretty, more or less, making it very visual, making it easy to understand. So maybe we'd pull out a few of those KPIs or key performance indicators that you just mentioned, um, put them into a dashboard. We put some trends on there. We'd make it a very, very visual thing. So the investor, they're 
probably fairly number savvy and fairly data savvy to an extent. But doing the work is a whole nother story. Once it's in a visual dashboard, everybody from the top investor to, I don't know, whoever else works at the company, somebody, somebody's nephew who's just doing the books or just running the counter or something like that, they can understand the overall picture with the dashboard. Yeah, I think, I think this is really interesting. What comes to mind was that I was watching another, I was watching a YouTube channel where the, I won't name the individual because I keep asking him to come on the show and he, he won't respond to my email. Uh, um, but um, he was doing an analysis of what, what in these very turbulent, um, difficult to judge times, where would be good places to consider to buy property in the US and what were, what do the figures suggest would be areas where you might be wise at the present moment not to buy property in the US? And it was fascinating when he looked at the historical data and the data that's freely available. And what comes to mind, being I'm English, so I'm negative, aren't I, listeners and viewers, <laughs> is... Um, the two areas, one broad and one Pacific, where you really shouldn't be looking at buying um, retail or any type of property, is the south of the US, the um, the um, Florida, Carolina, Georgia, because they've had the, the market there, to say it's hot would be an understatement. And the other thing, you would have thought certain areas of California, and they are, I'm just going by my memory of the heat maps that he was producing from the data, that's, yes, definitely um, certain parts of California, but they weren't red, red zones. What was the red zone was Boise. Boise, I was the area where you shouldn't be buying any property in because all the um, data factors that he was using showed that if you bought property in Boise as an investment at the present moment, you are really exposing yourself to some considerable risk factors. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm pretty sure that we have to go to our break. When we come back, we'll uh, be talking a little bit more about data with Jack Tompkins. Stay tuned. You want quality leads from homeowners and buyers right in your own neighborhood? Then you need MailRight. It is a powerful but easy-to-use online marketing system that uses Facebook to generate real estate leads at a fraction of the cost you'd pay from our competition. We stand behind our work with a no-question-asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Get started today. Go to mail-right.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 305. We are having a fascinating conversation with our guest, Jack Tompkins. Jack Jack Tompkins is a data analysis specialist. Uh, I believe, did did you reach out to him or did he reach out to us? He reached out to us. Okay, so I believe that Jack actually reached out to us and asked us to be on the show. And we said, uh, we said, okay. 
and what we're talking about is we're talking about how we might apply data to the real estate business. Now, we've talked a lot about properties, and now I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a leap or a gainer here because this is definitely outside Jack's uh, previous experience, but it seems as if uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Jack, that if anybody approached you with a data consultation request, you'd probably feel comfortable and confident in doing that request. Is that correct? Or am I That is absolutely correct. Yes. Okay. So one of those things that somebody could do, and I'm asking a question, is let's just say that I am a real estate agent with a lead generation operation, and I'm getting uh, a ton, like let's call it one or 200 registrations on a website that is like name, email address, uh, telephone number, so on and so forth. Could you take that list of people and research where they had, where the lead had originated? Let's say you're given sort of like, like all the core data to, to the clients, like marketing operations, like let's say they have three websites, but you could, you could separate out where those leads had come from, what part of the country was most prevalent to those people calling that customer, calling that, that real estate agent, and maybe even um, figuring out which one of those lead sources had been producing actual deals if you had access to their MLS and could see where their sales were coming from? Is that all correct or am I incorrect with that? Yeah, that is that is absolutely all correct. Um, I've done very similar things for non-real estate clients, but um, you said mentioning like the form filling out, you get name, email, all that stuff. Um, Google Analytics is a super great tool that has a lot of that stuff. You can go in there and I've used Google Analytics uh, all over the place and a bunch of different industries. So all that data, real estate specific or not, um, totally doable, easy to get into a nice web-based dashboard. Gotcha. And then what you could do is you could separate it out into data points so that somebody else could, could then look at what you call KPIs, which is key performance indicators. And you could essentially at that point forward, the client would have a better understanding of what key point indicators a data specialist was looking at. Am I, again, I'm, 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 I don't want to steer you down a path that's not correct. Is that, is that basically cr- true or not true? Yes. It never, it never stopped you putting me down a path. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know you better. I'm trying. I'm trying not to get you any more complaints from our guests on my questioning style. <laughs> Very well phrased, Robert. Um, can definitely help with all that stuff. Um, it comes down to things like, I, you know, in its simplest form, what's working and what's not working. So whether it's different leads, different lead sources, marketing, SEO, email campaigns, all that stuff geography component as well, where they're actually coming from and leads are converting and things like that. Totally doable. Love getting into that kind of data. Gotcha. All right. So having said all of that, guys, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is a guest that's very similar to another guest that we had on the show. uh, I'm going to say three or four months ago, what was his name? Christopher Anazuki, right? I'm getting that right. Um who is an actual performing COO of a major real estate team, okay? That's essentially what Chris did and does. And by the way, for all of those real estate brokers and small teams and and people that have are outside of the phase of getting started in real estate and are in the middle of their career or are already somewhat successful, this guy 
is probably the guy that can make you more money than almost all of the lead people that we have come on the show. Because past the point where you're getting 100 leads or 200 leads or 300 leads a month, it's no longer as important to get more leads. What's important is for you to understand beyond a shadow of a doubt which of those lead sources is generating you the highest ROI. In other words, what did you spend for the lead versus how many of those leads did you sell versus how much did you make off the lead, right? And then it's because that becomes the question that should then dictate where the rest of your marketing budget would go. Would you agree or not agree? You're nodding, so I'm assuming you're going to agree, but but many of these people are listening, so they can't (laughs) see you nodding. So (laughs) like... Yeah, for the listeners, I've been vigorously nodding my head back and forth during that entire thing. Um, Absolutely. That um, it's a really good point of, great, we've got a whole bunch of leads and we're getting conversions from it. We don't know what's the best source though. And the data tells the full story there. Yeah, just to um, put it in language, if you don't know all these terms, is that, you know, if, if you're selling a widget for 20 bucks, but it's costing you $30 to get somebody to buy it, you're making a $10 loss. You can't keep making $10 if you, it's fine if you're selling 20 widgets you probably won't make a big difference. But if you start sending 100, 200, 300, 400 widgets, 1,000 widgets, and every widget, you're losing 10 bucks, you're going to go bankrupt pretty quick. And that's what happens when you, if you don't have a really, it doesn't really matter at the beginning, but as the volume increases with digital marketing and using paid marketing, it can soon lead to problems. Would you agree with that, Robert? Yes. Go, Jack, I heard you take a breath. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to call it, Robert. But uh-huh. I, I totally agree. Um, there's there's a big, uh, obviously, like cost of acquisition. So how much does it take to actually get a client from all these different marketing things? Totally plays into kind of the marketing version of what you were just talking about, John. Much like ROI too, how much time are you spending on it? Because your time is worth something. So you got to factor that in too. So a whole lot of fun math behind the scenes there, but it gets to that. Let's figure out what's working, what's not working. And also, can we do more of the good stuff and less of the bad stuff? So I'm going to say that uh, I'm really grateful that uh, that John decided to accept you coming onto the show, Jack. Um, and the reason I'm so grateful isn't specifically because of you, but but I do want to touch on something for our audience. I'm sorry, I didn't mean that badly. No, I, I, no. I just meant, like, I, I just meant that, that we here in what we do in this vertical, real estate, real estate is so overheated right now, I have no language for it. I haven't seen it be this overheated since 2006 and 2007. It is, it is actually ridiculous. It's, it's not well, funny. I actually, think, I actually think it's worse. Would you agree with that? In some ways it is, because even then in that market where, where the overheated part was coming in was the, was the mortgage section of the business. So unqualified people were buying too many properties, which meant real estate agents were busy. This is different. We're not seeing all those bad loans being written, but what we're seeing is 35 qualified people trying to buy the same property. And if you don't have cash and aren't willing to offer 20, 30% above list, you're not getting the property, which is frustrating for the buyers, for the 34 people that can't get their offer accepted. For the real estate agents, all of the 34 real estate agents that are repping 
those buyers on a commission-only basis and are not making any commission, even though they had a qualified buyer in hand who had money to buy a home, but could not get the home that they wanted. So now that same real estate agent is having to work, go do two or three or four of these processes before their buyer finally gets their home, which means that for the average real estate agent, they're literally working four to five times as hard for each transaction that they're making. So I say this, and, and so I, I, wanna, I wanna encompass this all into a concept for everybody listening to the show. Many of you have been doing business with Zillow or doing direct mail or doing some kind of marketing that has been the same kind of marketing for five, 10, 15, or 20 years. And you are assuming that this marketing is working for you, all of you. I know you are. I'm looking at you. Yes, you. And those assumptions in this particular kind of marketplace might very well be bad assumptions. So how do you check it? How do you make sure that you're not actually losing money, that marketing that used to be working for you is not working for you anymore and you just don't know it, or you spent $12,000 more on it than you've actually made from it? How do you know? Are you going to pour over spreadsheets and get into it for 20 or 30 hours? My guess is for most active real estate agents, especially in today's market, the answer is going to be hell no. This is where a guy like Jack would come in. I'm guessing that I don't know what his rates are. I haven't even looked at it. They're not really posted on his site, but most likely it's not more than a couple thousand dollars. And that money, like let's just say over 10 years, you spent $12,000 a year on the same marketing source. That's $120,000 over the 10 years that you've been doing that marketing. Having somebody like Jack analyze what you've been doing over that 10-year period and how does it compare to today, which might cost you a couple grand, could very well save you 10, 20, 30, $40,000 in the long run. This is why data analysis is so important. This is why I believe in it above all other aspects of marketing. And it's one of the things that we talk about the least on the show. It is really, really important. Am I correct in anything? Everything I've said, is this the kind of analysis that you could do if, if, it, if the job was given to you? Did I rampantly undersell or oversell your services in terms of pricing? You hit it perfectly on the head. Um, I think that is very, very well done. Thank you very much for that, Robert. Perfect. Um, We are coming up on the end of our time here together. And um, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you uh, reaching out to us. John, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you'd like to uh, cover with Jack? Well, I think uh, if Jack's okay, we have a quick bonus section. And in that bonus section, I want to ask Jack, how can he give some indication of how like Redfin or Zillow and some of the big players, how they utilize the data which they're getting and then apply it to the decisions that they're probably making. Um, But just to finish off, um, what you're saying is so right, Robert, because I apply it personally because over the past seven months, Before that, for another seven months before that, I was trying to lose weight and I wasn't measuring anything. I was just instinctively trying to cut things out. And my weight was going up, even though I was cutting things out. Um, Now I weigh myself twice a day 
I got an app where I put all the food that I'm eating in it and I have a break-off point in calories. And I have another app where I measure the physical, I walk twice a day for about five miles a day and I measure it. So everything is measured. And I, in a, a six-month period, I've lost almost 40 pounds that's the difference, the difference, and you can just apply that to your business because I use, I'm a very instinctive, I, it's not naturally my tendency to want to measure, but you must measure. If you don't measure something, it's very unlikely you'll get the result that you want. Uh, agreed. So I should have opened up with this, John, and I'm directing this to John, Jack, and then I heard you take a breath and we'll let you wrap it up and then we'll, we'll head over to the bonus content. Um, John, I have a 13-hour day today, a really unusual day where it started at 8 and is going till 8 or 9. I am, I am, this is one of the few sections of my schedule today where I can get a 10 or 15-minute break. So we're going to move on to bonus content. I'll do the bonus. Yes, please. Yeah, I, wrap I, it I, up. I, wrap it up and then we go for bonus fights. Lovely. All right. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Jack, uh, you can wrap with whatever you want. Um, This is for the podcast. And then we're going to move over to video. That's how we do the bonus content. It goes strictly on the YouTube channel. And for those of you listening, it's male hyphen right. It's YouTube male hyphen right. And if you want to catch the podcast, if if for some reason you're not on iTunes, go to the MailRight website, mail-right.com, and you can check all the past episodes, which I highly recommend that you do. We've put together, I mean, a couple hundred amazing guests over the years, and John's done another hundred beyond that with a guy that uh, apparently was uh, legendary uh, in terms of his... uh, Well... The first 30, which you can't see on the website, but you can see on the YouTube channel, but then I had a couple other non-spectacular co-hosts before you, actually, Robert. <laughs> okay. So there's lots and lots and lots of content to go ahead and look at on the MailRite show. show. But, um, Jack, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, how would you like them to do so? I would say head to my website. Um pineapplecf.com is the address. Um, I know you mentioned it earlier in the show, Robert. A um, whole lot of examples on there, uh, transformations of boring data to exciting data, if you will, uh, all sorts of ways to contact me and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, pineapplecf.com is where all that good stuff is at. And thank you both so much for having me, Robert and John. Absolute pleasure meeting and talking with both of you. Thank you so much. And then, uh, John, if somebody wanted to reach you, uh, for anybody that might be new to the show, how would they go ahead and do that? It's best to go to the, the revamped MailRite website. Um, it's stunning looking at We, I think um, I'm so delighted by the new website and the message that you'll get through it. And please go to it, see what we've got to offer you. And please um, contact us for a chat and we'll see if we can help you. I agree with John. He has an amazing uh, website. Funnily enough, um, he has he has <laughs> on his homepage he has a testimonial with somebody who has the last same last name as me, but it's not me. So uh, if you're, well, it's you. I'll put it in your words. I would have thought <laughs> that you would have agreed with the statement. It's Richard Newman. I'm uh, Richard. Robert. 
Robert Newman, yeah, sorry. Yeah, Robert Newman. You gotta you gotta change you gotta change it to Robert. If that's me, then you gotta change it to, to Robert Newman. And I'll be happy to own that uh that that uh that statement there. All right, guys. Uh and I, of course, Robert Newman, I'm your fearless host. This is gonna be my exit from this particular show. Uh, but you can find me if you want at inboundrem.com. I've been doing years and years and years of, of content uh, talking about uh, the systems that you can use, which are the best for your lead generation, um, how to do SEO, and the list just goes on and on and on and on. At this point, I have an amazing head of brand of content. I do the videos. He does the blog posts, but you will be amazed by all the shit that I have on there. I even tell you how to use postcards. All right. So thank you so much. We appreciate you tuning in. We're so grateful. Have a great day.